one guy said, I was reading a, a devotional this week, and he said, uh, have you put Jesus, where is Jesus in your life? Is he a priority, or have you put him in the manger? And uh, I thought that was pretty good. It was enough that I, uh, I wrote it down. Let's stand and let's sing, what a child, our God. Let's sing, what child.
You can be seated. you stand and let's sing joy to the world.
won't you be seated? This is kind of a new song. We did it last year, and Amy, Amy's going to sing it for you. Christmas Eve in Bethlehem.
today. Glad that you're here to celebrate Christmas with us. Uh, I've been sharing this month a series of sermons called Christmas Biographies, sort of looking at the stories of the main characters in the Christmas story. We've done the biography of Mary, we've done the biography of uh, Joseph, and now today I want to do the biography of Jesus. And uh, I like to do something a little different at Christmas, Uh, and so today I'm going to do something a little different, something I've never done before. I've got these, uh, other way, oh, you, which, uh, you good, you got it, you know more than I do, uh, which way it goes. So um, today I want to share a timeline of the life of Jesus, and these guys are helping me, thank you guys so much for helping me get set up, and um, give me just a minute to get my stuff together here. Lock this. All right. So, um, on this whiteboard, I'm going to try to to draw a timeline of the life of Jesus. I'm going to use a red marker for Jesus. I've read the the color of the blood of Jesus. I think it's a fitting reminder of him. And so I'm going to draw a a line across this board that represents the life of Jesus. You see, when we talk about the life of Jesus, we can't start at Bethlehem because Hebrews 13 says, Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There's never been a time when Jesus wasn't here. He's eternal. He's always existed. There'll never be a time when Jesus is not here. He'll always be here. Jesus is uh, from everlasting to everlasting. Um, We can't talk about Jesus, though, without also talking about God the Father, Because Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 20, I and the Father are one. The Father is in me, and I'm in the Father. So we also want to talk about God the Father. And I'm going to use this blue marker to represent the life of God the Father. And if you want to draw this, you can can turn your... uh, Sermon notes landscape sideways and draw it. That's why I've got erasers in case I make a mistake here. And so we're going to let this line represent God the Father, okay? And we can't talk about Jesus without talking about the Holy Spirit because Acts 16, 7 says that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And so I'm going to let this green marker represent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit also is co-eternal with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So this green line, I'm going to let represent the life of the Holy Spirit.
So this is how it's always been. There was a time when there was nothing but these three, the Trinity. They existed in love and fellowship for all eternity. And then there came a time when God created everything that exists. Everything besides this was created by God. And so, there came a time when God created. And we're going to let this line represent creation. And the Bible tells us, and I'm going to put some of these verses that I'm sharing up at the top. Can't put all of them, don't have room for all of them. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there are two parts to God's creation. They're the heavens. So the heavens that God created includes what we would call outer space. So I'm going to draw a couple of stars here let's put some stars over here and the heavens include what we would call um, our solar system and so I'm going to draw a couple of planets notice I identify what I'm drawing in case you can't discover what it is and uh, so we're going to draw a couple of planets here and the heavens include what we would call the sky. So I'm going to put some clouds down here to show us the sky. Maybe some cumulonimbus and clouds down here. Okay. And God created, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if I made the earth actual size, of course, it would be a small dot, but I'm going to make it big so we can show the interaction of Jesus with planet earth, so I'm going to make the earth big. God created the heavens and the earth. But it's not just God the Father who created, because Genesis 1-2 says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, was also involved in this act of creation. So let's put a line here that shows the activity of the Holy Spirit involved in creation as well. But it's also Jesus who is involved in creation. And so, let me draw a line here that shows that Jesus was active in creation. You see, when John starts his gospel, in John 1, 1 through 3, he says, in the beginning. So John intentionally mimics the opening verse of Genesis to tell you that it's parallel, and this is a new beginning, and John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And so that's his name for Jesus before he was given the name Jesus by Joseph and Mary at the instruction of the angel. Jesus was the eternal word. And he said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And John 1, 3 says, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that has been made. So all three persons of the Trinity were active in creation, creating the heavens and the earth. And the earth and the heavens that God made were good, and then we messed it up. God gave us the the choice to love him or not to love him. All true love does that. And we spurned his love, we rebelled, and we messed up creation. And our sin ushered in death, and our sin has brought COVID-19 tornadoes and a world that's all out of whack now. But God loved us in spite of our rebellion. And God had a plan from all eternity that he would save us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, I think sums up the Christmas story. It says the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so what we celebrate at Christmas time is the coming of Jesus to planet Earth. This is Christmas. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jesus had never come to earth before. In fact, I think there are times in the Old Testament when it hints that Jesus had visited our planet before this. I think, for example, in uh, Genesis chapter 18, it tells of three visitors who came to see Abraham. And later it says that two of those visitors were angels. Who was the third one? Well, Abraham calls him the Lord. I think this is the pre-incarnate word of God, Jesus, who was there. I I think in Daniel chapter uh, 3, we have a visit of Jesus to planet Earth. In Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship Nebuchadnezzar's idol. Nebuchadnezzar threw him into a furnace. And they were in the furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar said, didn't I throw three guys into the furnace? And they said, yeah. And he said, well, I see four men walking, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Who was that? I think it was Jesus. I think it was Jesus who came to be with them. But these comings were nothing like this one. In these, Jesus only took on human form. He appeared as a man, as angels are able to do. But this is entirely different. In this, John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and lived among us. Wow. Now that's, that's different. This is the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, actually becoming a human being. Born of woman. 
Galatians 4, 4 says, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those under the law. So we are celebrating now at Christmas this monumental event that's never happened before, this greatest of miracles, the incarnation, where God has loved us so much that he's come to us. We couldn't get to him, so he came to us. We could never reach heaven. And so God descended to us. It's fitting that we count time from this event, isn't it? And King David, we say, lived in 1000 B.C. before Christ. So we count backward time from this event. And we live now in the year 2020 A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And so we count all of our time from this monumental event. Jesus came for the purpose of dying. Oh, there were other subsidiary purposes. But the main reason he became a human is because humans die and he could die for us on a cross and thereby erase our sin, break our curse. And then he rose from the dead to show he's greater than death. And then Jesus ascended back to heaven. He was on earth about 33 years. We know that because Luke 3 says that he began his ministry when he was about 30 years old. We know his ministry lasted about three years because we count the number of Passovers, the annual holiday, that are listed in the Gospel of John, and John lists three of them, or tells about three of them. So, One's right at the end of his ministry, of course, when he died. So it could have been two and a half years, two and a half to three years, Jesus spent on earth. And then he ascended. So I'm going to write ascension here. Then he ascended back to God. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 describes this whole trajectory in one passage. It says, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And being found in human likeness, he humbled himself even unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, And given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what's Jesus doing now? Well, Romans chapter 8 verse 34 says... Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God interceding for us. So he continues his ministry now in heaven, and he's there praying for you. 
That's pretty good to know, isn't it? I like having Jesus praying for me, don't you? And he's interceding for us at the right hand of God. He's called our advocate in heaven. Before he left, Jesus promised while he was here on earth, just the night before he died, his last night on earth, he promised that when he left, he would ask the Father to send us another advocate. John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate to help you and to be with you always. And so, after Jesus ascended, God sent the third person of the Trinity, another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to come down from heaven at Pentecost. So I'm going to write Pentecost here. Ten days after the ascension, on the 50th day from the Passover, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and he said, I'm going to send you another advocate who will help you and be with you always. And so, God sent the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying this is the first time that the Holy Spirit had ever been on planet Earth. I believe the Holy Spirit had been on planet Earth before, uh, but he came upon people he came mainly on leaders it was for short periods for example in Judges chapter 15 it says that the Holy Spirit came upon Samson and the Philistines were coming on him and he picked up the jawbone of a donkey and he killed a thousand men with it that's that's Holy Spirit power with Ezekiel it says the whole and many of the other prophets Ezekiel's just one example In Ezekiel 11, it says, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and Ezekiel saw visions and preached. The Holy Spirit had been here before, but not like this. Because now, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people, men and women, young and old, who believe in Jesus. And he comes not just for specific assignments or times, but he's with us always to the end of the age. And he, the Bible says, is interceding for us too. It calls us an advocate. So we got an advocate in heaven, Jesus, and we got an advocate on earth, the Holy Spirit. And he's helping us to pray on our end. We got somebody on both ends of the phone line. Isn't that great? And he's helping us here, and the, Jesus is helping us there. Yeah, and the Trinity is mind boggling. Uh, can't get it, your mind around it fully, but if you ask somebody, where is Jesus? Today, the correct answer is, Romans 8, 34, he's at the right hand of the Father. But, because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, when a little kid says, I got Jesus in my heart, he's right too. Because Colossians 1, 7 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So even though this is the Holy Spirit, it's not uh, incorrect to say, Jesus is in my heart. Romans 
8, 9, and 10 in verse 9 say the Spirit of Christ is in you. And in verse 10 it says Christ is in you. It says it both ways. And one day, Jesus is going to make a second visit to planet Earth. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 28 says, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, that's what he did the first time, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And so Jesus is coming back again, and he's coming through the clouds. The Bible often says something about the clouds in reference to his coming. Jesus said uh, to Pilate, when Pilate asked if you're the king, he said, yes, and you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. And Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 says, look, he's coming with the clouds. Jesus is, is coming back again to planet Earth. He's going to complete our salvation now. The Bible says that when he comes back, we're going to meet him in the air. I'm not sure how high up that's going to be. I'll just put it right there, okay? Could be above the cloud. I don't know. But we're going to meet him in the air. If you're dead, if you've already died before he comes back, the first thing that will happen, the dead in Christ will be raised. New, resurrected, glorified bodies. If you're alive when he comes back, you still have to go through an, a transformation process because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So you're going to be translated. You're going to be transformed into a new resurrection body. Now, Christians disagree about what's going to happen next. The key question is, who's going to turn around? Okay? We meet in the air, who's turning around? Some of you believe that Jesus turns around, takes us back up to heaven for seven years, then comes back a third time. That's called dispensational premillennialism. Others of you believe, no, Jesus doesn't turn around, we turn around. We fall in behind Jesus, he keeps coming down, he comes to earth, battle of Armageddon, judgment day, new heaven and new earth. That's amillennialism. Others of you believe we turn around, follow Jesus to earth, he reigns for a thousand years, then the end comes. That's historic premillennialism. I'm going to do the simplified approach here. I believe I have a right to do a simplified version here because Jesus said it in simple terms. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 2, I go, he was right here, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again that you may be with me and take you to where I am so that you may be with me always. So that's, he could simplify it. So if Jesus can simplify it, I'm going to simplify it. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to draw us going up with the Holy Spirit, with the Son of God. I'm going to put some squiggles here, and you all can work out your squiggles, okay? So we're going to put a few squiggles here. You work it, map out your squiggles. I'm giving you the simplified version. So here we go. We meet him in the air. Squiggles, okay? Then here we go, up. 
everybody up. Jesus, the Holy Spirit in us. Let me clean up my lines just a second here. You see why I used a straight edge on most of those, except for this one? Okay, so what's going to happen then? Revelation 11.15 The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and our Christ and He shall reign forever and ever. And so forever and ever Jesus will reign and 2 Timothy 2 11-12 If we endure with him, well, it says, if we die with him, we'll live with him. And if we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. And so we are co-regents, co-heirs, kings and queens of Narnia, reigning with him forever and ever. That's the biography of Jesus. We live between the first coming and the second coming. So here's where you and I live. This old order of this old world is still here. People still die. Bad things still happen. But the new order has begun. And we live with joy and with hope because we know the end of the story that is as certain as the beginning. And we live between these two comings with the help of the Holy Spirit and with an intercessor in heaven, knowing that there is coming a day which if we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. Do you believe that? You believe what I put up here? It's, it's an important question. Because John said in John 1, 10 through 11, he came to his own, and his own largely did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the key question is, do you believe this? Do you receive this? Because if you believe it, I don't mean just, okay, yeah, I got it. I believe it. I'm going home. No, I mean if you'll trust that as your hope. If you'll put your faith in Jesus and trust him, he gives you the right to become a child of God and to reign with him forever and ever. I wonder if there are those of you who have doubted or those of you who are not sure, and if today you would just come to the point where you'd say, I believe that. I believe that worldview. I believe that story of Jesus. I believe that he was co-creator of everything. I believe that he left heaven, became a baby to save me. He died, rose again, ascended to heaven. He's there interceding for me. He's coming back again. He's going to take me to be with him and he'll reign forever. If you put your faith and your hope in that story, he'll transform your life, forgive your sins, set you on a destiny to heaven, And he'll be your friend and your guide through the ups and downs of life. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord Jesus.
We worship you at this Christmas season. We thank you for coming. Right now, Lord, perhaps there's someone who would put their faith in you and be a Christian, would come to be baptized. I would pray right now that your spirit would draw them to you and that they, at this Christmas season, would come to the real meaning of Christmas and put their trust and hope in Jesus. I pray for those who have already believed in him, but whose, whose faith is waning, whose zeal is flagging, whose endurance perhaps is shortened. I pray, Lord, that we will be revived by this truth, that we will run the race with perseverance marked out for us, that we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's in his name I pray, amen. Today, if you want to confess open your decision to receive Christ, I'll be at the Welcome Center, rejoice with you, help you set up your time for your baptism. Today, if you want to join our church family, what a great time to do that. Just meet me at the Welcome Center. I'll be glad to do that. Thank you for coming and being here. God bless you. Daniel's going to come and, uh, or Jake's, I'm sorry, coming to close our service. That's it.